0: You hardheads, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Hardheaded Sports Podcast episode number 39, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. Thank you so much for joining in today. Happy Friday, everybody. So when I wake up and get ready to prep for the show, my routine basically is wake up, snooze about... (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, let's walk it back a little bit. It's get woken up by alarm, snooze on my alarm clock for about four or five times, then wake up, then make myself a cup of coffee, sit at my desk, and I go on YouTube and read the YouTube comments before I set up my lights and I set up my camera and I set up my microphone to get ready for the day's show. That's, That's my day of the show routine. And anybody that works in any type of media will tell me, will tell you rather, don't look at the comments. Just don't look at the comments. There's nothing beneficial in the comments. There's nothing there that will ever pique your interest. But it's hard when you're on YouTube because comments are one of the main ways ...that the algorithm brings more attention to your video or to your channel. The the comments and the interactions that you have with you and your viewer... ...are some of the most important things that factor into developing your channel. So, you're, you're kind of forced to look at the comments. Even though, as I've said, if anybody works in any type of media... ...or any type of uh, content creatorship, you understand... Don't look at the comments, just don't do it. It's a bad idea, so I wake up this morning, I go through my snooze button routine and get on my uh, my my desk, or sit on my desk and, and start reading the comments, and lo and behold, I got my first really, really nasty comment. You know, I've been told I'm an idiot, I've been told that I don't know what I'm talking about, but to have this man just completely sound off and use a whole bunch of words that are on the naughty list and I would not want to repeat the comment on open air, But calling me uh a... Uh, a fat SOB, calling me a a, a screw-up, you know, just completely going in on me, and I'm like, oh, well, that's a good way to start the show today. That's just, that's such a good feeling when you wake up, you go through your snooze button routine, you get ready for a show, today's gonna be a great show, and by the way, you're worthless, you know? Um, I, I normally don't really get comments, like, let comments get to me, but I just thought it was funny how we as media, or if you're any type of content creator, you're always told, or any, or really just any type of writer as well, you're told just don't look at the comments it's not a good idea and I doing a podcast that does you know audio and visual and the visual being on YouTube you're kind of forced to look at the comments because comments are so influential in developing your channel I just thought that was a really interesting and funny dichotomy and I wanted to share that with all with that with you all this morning don't look at the comments don't look at the comments there's usually something nasty there Again, I've been told I've been wrong. I've been told I've got no idea what I'm talking about more times than I can count. But hey, sometimes there's just that one extremely nasty comment that runs and, and you know, kind of ruins your day. It's kind of just like, oh, well, I wanted to talk about Jordan Love to start off the show today. Jordan Love, I know, a, a obscure one. It's an obscure one. I did not think that I would be talking about Jordan Love, the first round draft pick for the Green Bay Packers last year. At this time in the year, right before the draft for this year. I didn't think I would be talking about Jordan Love at all, but there was a photo floating around the internet over the past few days detailing a trade between the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots in which Jordan Love would be sent to the New England Patriots along with the Packers' number number 29 overall pick and a fourth round pick in this year's draft for the Patriots' 15th overall pick. Again, the Patriots would be getting Jordan Love, the 29th pick, and a fourth round pick for their 15th overall pick. And let, let me just get this out of the way, right? Let me make this very clear. This trade is not real. This trade is faker than fake. This trade is more, or, or excuse me, this trade is less real than the boogeyman is. It's it's not. It's It doesn't exist. There is no way that this thing exists. The logic just doesn't make sense from either side. If you're the Patriots looking for a quarterback, why would you trade back potentially out of consideration for a top five quarterback in this year's draft and if you're the Packers why are you wasting your first round pick last year wasting your first round pick this year and an additional pick that the scale is so tilted on the trade and it just doesn't make sense logically for either teams but I still want to talk about it not because of the Patriots because the Patriots have been super hyper hyper focused on you know, what they're going to be doing with their quarterback situation. Cam Newton is the current quarterback. Jared Stidham the backup. The quarterback situation in New England is not that great. And everybody's hyper-focused on the Patriots as being one of those teams that has an unsolved quarterback situation. And it's like, is Bill going to trade up? Is he going to go down? What are they doing in New England? We're actually going to talk about that later in the show, so stay tuned. Everybody's hyper-focusing on what the Patriots are going to do at quarterback but that's not why I'm interested in this completely fake trade between the Packers and the Patriots for Jordan Love. The it, My fascination really comes on the side of the Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love and the relationship between Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers, and the Green Bay Packers. The thought entered my mind. Would, in a theoretical situation, would the trading of Jordan Love fix or somewhat mend the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers and I know what you're thinking I know what you're thinking that relationship is a little bit complicated it's not exactly that black and white on one hand, I absolutely don't buy into the media narrative that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are completely at odds and they hate each other, and you know, it's an unbroken, unfixable relationship. Although, there is some truth to that at some level. You know, if you told me that there was going to be Brett Favre, right, and then his replacement, Aaron Rodgers, was going to play a long time and potentially be better than he was, and the Packers would only end up with one Super Bowl title, I would have absolutely laughed in your face. The Green Packers have had a dynasty on their doorstep for multiple seasons and they have continuously failed at completing that dynasty with only getting one Super Bowl they've had so many opportunities and for some reason whether that be incompetence in the general manager room whether that be incompetence on the field bad defense whatever the the Packers have fallen short so there is some truth to the fact that hey the Packers have not utilized the talents of Aaron Rodgers to their maximum potential But I will never buy into the media-strung narrative that this relationship between Rodgers and the Packers is completely unfixable and broken. And the two sides are just at odds and putting up with each other like a married couple that's been married for 50 years but are just kind of waiting for each other to die and move on. Oh my god, that's so morbid, I apologize. But with that being said, I also do believe that the drafting of Jordan Love in the first round last year kicked Aaron Rodgers in the pants a little bit. It absolutely made him play with a chip on his shoulder. Aaron Rodgers take a look at, you know, what the Packers did. They said, okay, you're going to draft for the future. I'm going to play at a level that you have not seen for me in four or five seasons. I'm going to play at an MVP caliber level. We are going to win the Super Bowl this year. And obviously that didn't materialize the Super Bowl. You know, Obviously the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. But Aaron Rodgers played at a level in which we had not seen from him in a long time. It was a fantastic season from Rodgers. He absolutely played with something extra. He played with extra focus, extra confidence. He definitely got a kick in the pants for uh, from the Packers drafting Jordan Love, and he essentially said, look, I can play like this for four or five more seasons. You don't you didn't need to draft a quarterback. I absolutely will buy into the fact that, yes, Rodgers was playing with a chip on his shoulder, but I will not buy into the fact in the media force narrative that the two sides hate each other. So that's why this Jordan Love trade kind of fascinates me a little bit, because the idea of if Jordan Love was traded by the Packers in some kind of makeup trade for their actions of last year's draft, would that be enough to fix the the wound that was caused by the Packers drafting him and the answer is no I don't think so I think the only way that you solve the rift between Rodgers and the Packers it's a championship winning solves everything trading away your replacement does not I don't think Aaron Rodgers is that petty it, it kind of reminds me of you know the the Tom Brady Jimmy Garoppolo situation and the Patriots in New England funny enough where you know it was either Garoppolo or it was either Brady and the owner and the coach wanted somebody different and the players were kind of at odds as well and Obviously, Garoppolo was traded to San Francisco. Kind of reminds me of that, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers has that in him. He doesn't strike me as that type of person that would be as petty to say, I want you to trade my backup. And even if that happened, as I said, I think winning would be the only way to solve that rift because saying that the Packers traded Jordan Love, they got the Patriots number 15 overall pick and they drafted a wide receiver and then they went on to win the Super Bowl there would still be some kind of of hey look look what happens when you give me some weapons you know look what happens when you give me some weapons to work with we actually drafted a wide receiver this year and look what happens we actually win there's there there's got to be that some kind of i told you so kind of feeling to it and that can only be solved by winning and and getting a championship and if there is anything that the Packers can do to help Aaron Rodgers it's to really give him some more input in what the team is doing during the offseason so I mean this trade is complete hogwash it, it's not real but the funny question and the funny idea that popped into my mind of being the, of which being if the Packers kind of made a makeup call like a like a a mistake makeup trade for drafting Jordan Love last year in the first round, would that be enough to salvage a relationship between the the Packers and Rodgers? Which, again, is not broken. It's definitely torn a little bit. There's definitely kind of like a, hmm, that's not the smartest decision. That's not the decision that I would have made. But... There would it have been enough to kind of reset the table for you know the Packers and what they're trying to do this season? And you know the answer really is no. I think they're kind of stuck with their decisions. They're stuck with their their poor decisions. And realistically speaking, again, as I said, there is some truth to why the Packers have only had one Super Bowl in which they have perennially been almost knocking on the door when it comes to being Super Bowl favorites and Super Bowl champions so I'm curious to know what you think obviously this trade is fake but would trading Jordan Love whether it's this offseason or the next offseason would that make up for kind of the questionable decisions that the Packers have made recently is that even something that Aaron Rodgers would want all kind of important questions I'm interested to know what you think so everybody's, everybody's talking about the Patriots and whether they're going to trade up, whether they're going to trade down. And I kind of talked about this when we made or went through my mock draft last week. I don't think that it's in Bill Belichick's character to trade up for a quarterback. I just don't see it. I see Bill as a brilliant football mind. He has always made the best out of other teams' trash. The Patriots were, for a while, that team in which other teams trash turns into Bill Belichick's treasure. He can have the tendency to be a bit of a minimalist, which is why this offseason is so obscure for the Patriots, seeing Bill Belichick go and spend so much money on a couple of tight ends, a couple of wide receivers, and uh, Matthew Judon as well. You know, Bill Belichick going and spending all that cash is really obscure, which again, the Patriots are a wild card, but I still don't see it in his character for Bill Belichick to go and trade up for a quarterback. Every single time I see somebody suggesting that the Patriots go up and take a quarterback, I just find it so unreasonable. I completely disagree with it, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's more than likely that Bill Belichick actually trades down and takes advantage of, of a team like Chicago, which is exactly what I suggested in my mock draft would happen in which Bill Bill Belichick being you know a bit of an opportunist uh, an opportunist being extremely experienced says hey look chicago you need a quarterback uh, i i know that you're looking for a quarterback ryan pace you have not got this right do you want our pick to try and get one of the runs of the litter that comes out of the top 5 quarterbacks because i'm of the opinion that there are going to be some top 5 quarterbacks that slide into picks 10 to 20 So I I find it more reasonable that Belichick says to a team like maybe Washington or Chicago saying, hey, you guys trying to get into the top 15? You guys trying to nab that last quarterback that's available? Well, let's talk and do business. I find it more reasonable that Belichick is going to trade back and then get a quarterback like Kyle Trask in day two, in which, hey, Kyle Trask out of Florida would be an absolute raw prospect. He would be a prospect to work on. And it's not exactly like he has Tom Brady to learn from now, right? But I would find it more reasonable that Belichick is able to work with somebody like Kyle Trask, who they find in day two of the NFL draft, who was a Heisman candidate at one point. Like, the the kid's got a cannon. He's a little bit inaccurate, but he's got a really strong arm. I I would find it more reasonable that Bill Belichick would do that than trade up in the NFL draft. I just don't find it reasonable, and every single time the Patriots... You know, I talked about moving up in the draft. It kind of just makes me shake my head. and just say that's not reasonable. People aren't using their brains. And I understand a lot of it is just the media trying to find something to talk about. But just use your brains. It just does not make sense. I would be extremely surprised. And hey, again, maybe I'm completely wrong. The wild card of Bill Belichick. This is the offseason of Wild Bill. <laughs> the offseason of Wild Bill Belichick and what he's doing with the Patriots organization. So theoretically speaking, Theoretically speaking, if Bill Belichick did move up to go and get a quarterback, who would that quarterback be? Bill has been visiting all of these quarterbacks uh, in their pro days. It's very possible that he does like one of these quarterbacks, or maybe he's just trying to be informed on these quarterbacks moving forward in case the opportunity presents itself. But again, I still don't see it. I see the Patriots trading down then as as a more likely option than them trading up and getting a quarterback i think the patriots have a lot more needs than just quarterback right now i still think that even with the acquisitions of uh, aguilar and Bourne, that they need some more wide receiver help i wouldn't be surprised if they take a wide receiver they need some defensive end help as well they need some help on the defensive end uh defensive line rather I can't remember the last time that the New England Patriots had a solidified, scary pass rusher. Probably Chandler Jones or Richard Seymour. Um, it maybe it's a, Vince Wilfork to some extent. I mean, he was just a big body coming through the line. So I don't really, I don't really necessarily buy into the Patriots doing anything in the draft in terms of trading. I don't think it's in Bill's character. And hey, maybe I, maybe you know, we look back on this video and I'm proved completely wrong. And if that's the case, that's okay. But I'm feeling pretty confident about this one. You know, I, I I don't think that uh, Bill is going to be doing anything. I think he stays at fifteen, and the rest is just pure media hype. I've been you know pretty critical of the Eagles this off season. I've made a couple of videos talking about how I completely disagreed with how they handled Carson Wentz and how they fired Doug Peterson. I didn't like the Sirianni hire. I didn't like what they were doing with Jalen Hurts, and I've been pretty critical of the Eagles this off season. And I made a couple of videos in a row and I recognized that I was getting some backlash from some of the fans now I understand that um, people normally don't like to hear bad things about their team like guys sometimes you're going to hear bad things about your teams and I recognize that you know with the frequency that I was making some of those videos that it seems like I actually had something against the Eagles which I don't I'm unbiased I'm a, I'm a reporter at heart like that's what I do for a living like I take things unbiased and I make rational takes on what's going on. But it's like, okay, you know, maybe I should back off for a little while. I can understand where people are getting from. People in Philadelphia are getting a little bit testy. Uh, I, I understood where people were coming from. But, you know, I couldn't help myself today uh, because it, when I see a, a press conference of, you know, Sirianni saying, you know, I, I play rock, paper, scissor, shoe with you know, my my prospects, because, you know, if you're really competitive, you're going to, you know, show me you're really competitive by continuously, like, wanting to beat me in rock, paper, scissors, and that's not ad, that, that's not verbatim what he said, that that's kind of the idea that he was going for. Sirianni kind of just strikes me as the guy that is trying way too hard in a position in which he probably shouldn't have gotten. Like, you know, somebody gets promoted in, you know, a, a field of work, and they he probably shouldn't have gotten that promotion but now that they've gotten that promotion they're going to make su- they're going to work super hard to make sure that everybody sees that oh they're working hard you know maybe it was the right promotion it's kind of the feeling that i get from Sirianni. it just feels like the man is trying so hard and granted he's been put in an impossible position he's been put in probably one of the more difficult situations in the NFL. If the Houston Texans had not imploded like they did, I would have said that the Philadelphia Eagles probably had the worst offseason of any team in the NFL this offseason. Like, that's how bad things were this offseason for Philadelphia. He's stepping into a situation in which, you know, the entire mindset of the general manager and the owner was to try and fix the relationship with Carson Wentz. That's the reason why you were brought in. And now that quarterback isn't even there anymore. So now you're just tasked with, you know, trying to work with a quarterback that you didn't draft, trying to make sure that quarterback, you know, Ends up being worth the draft selection and worth all the hype. You're also tasked with, you know, playing in an extremely, you know, popular division. It's not the best division, honestly. It's the worst division in football, but it's it's a really recognizable recognizable division. So you're trying to be competitive. You're trying to fill holes in the roster, and you're trying to make a creative, a competitive team, in which the only reason, or one of the main reasons that you were brought in to begin with, was to fix a quarterback that's not even there anymore. Now, I will say this. I will say this. I am extremely happy and proud of Nick Sirianni for one thing and that's refusing to name Jalen Hurts the starter and I'll explain why this is really good and I will commend Sirianni for doing this because this is something that needed to happen if he's to have any success any success or chance of success rather in Philadelphia and it's a small thing but it's super important you know my perception of you know how you know, the, the hire happened between Sirianni and the Eagles is that Lowry and Roseman were looking for somebody that can fix Wentz, but ultimately that they can control and potentially have as a fall guy in case things didn't work out. It's like how everything fell apart. We just hired the wrong guy kind of thing. If Nick Sirianni is going to have any chance of success, he needs to establish himself as a voice of reason and power within that Eagles organization. He needs to establish himself as a voice of power to say, no, this is my football team. This is the football team that I'm leading. We are going to try being competitive as possible. And with Sirianni not naming Jalen Hurts the starter, it really was the first time in which kind of the visions for the team kind of backlash and saying, okay, well, Carson Wentz was supposed to be the guy, now it's Jalen Hurts. And Lori and Rosman were like, okay, Jalen Hurts is now our number one guy. We're not going to bring any competition for him in. And obviously since then, the Eagles have hired Jill Flacco. And Sirianni is saying, nope, Jalen Hurts is not the starter. I'm refusing to assure him that starting position. And that's fantastic for Hertz because you don't want to be given the keys to the castle after the King has already left. Like you don't want to be that type of person that just gets handed everything to you on a silver platter. I imagine that if you're a competitive football player, you want that competition. And I think it's good that Nirk Siriani is saying, okay, look, Jalen like you're great, we like you as our quarterback, but we are not comfortable giving you that starting position yet, you have to earn it. The fact that Jalen Hurts is going to have to earn his starting position, even though everybody in the world knows that Joe Flacco is not going to be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Joe Flacco is way past his prime. Honestly, I thought he was going to retire by this time in his career. Joe Flacco, you know, is, is not going to be the starting quarterback in Philadelphia. You know, it, it's more than likely going to be Jalen Hurts. But the fact that Jalen Hurts has to go and earn it is something that's incredibly important, and I think that instills the right mindset for the football team. You want to establish yourself if you're Sirianni as a coach with a a. Competitive mindset and as a voice of power, because if you don't have that voice of power and that voice of reason and that competitive competitiveness about you, you're going to lose the locker room. And granted, as I already kind of laid out, the Eagles have put Sirianni in a situation in which he, is, he now can't fix the quarterback that he thought he was going to try and fix. Carson Wentz is gone and he went to, to Indianapolis. Like Wentz is gone, so now you're stuck with Hurts, with an unreliable general manager and owner and you have a pretty porous football team to try and work with. You don't have any offensive weapons, you don't you you know, you have defensive problems. There is a lot of work to be done. But if Nick Sirianni can establish himself in, as a voice in that locker room and get the team to buy in, that's a really important thing. So even though it's such a small thing, it's such a small thing. That you know, Nick Sirianni was refusing to give Hurts the the starting job. I find it as such an important illustration of what he needs to try and do because you don't want Jalen Hurts to be given everything on a silver platter. You want him to earn it. You want to establish that competitiveness. And I think that's what Sirianni wants to do to his credit. I just think that he's really awkward and weird about presenting that you know it's like his idea is a good idea like the idea of rock paper scissors shoe with your prospect is saying okay i'm trying to see how competitive you know this is but rock paper scissors shoe is a game of chance right it's a game of chance you're 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 it's rock paper scissor and and you you it's, it comes down to Chance. Now, obviously, if he set up something like Ping Pong, you know, maybe that'd be a, a better illustration. I just think he tries too hard in that aspect of it to, to to say, okay, I need to show, you know, I'm trying to bring competitiveness. Let me just find an analogy here. Oh, let me just talk about Rock, Paper, Scissors, Shoe. Again, as I said at the very beginning, it feels like he's trying too hard in that aspect to prove that he's the right person for the job. Instead of, you know, just, just taking everything... You know, as it is in doing the small things, which I find to be really good as in not delivering Jalen Hurts starting job straight away. So I know that was a little bit convoluted probably a little bit all over the place. I was just kind of rambling on that one. I wasn't actually planning on talking about the Eagles today, but this was kind of a spur of the moment rant. So let me know what you think. You know, there's not really necessarily a question to ask, but what does Jalen Hurts not being named the starter say about Nick Sirianni to you? So I actually wanted to talk very briefly on the new number changes in the NFL. There's no real particular take here, more just an informatory take. I wanted to talk about the changes in the numbering system that the NFL announced over the last couple of days. So the NFL is changing how jersey numbers work. The expanded jerseys will now allow running backs tight ends fullbacks H backs and wide receivers to wear numbers one through 49 and or 80 through 89 defensive backs can choose from one through 49 linebackers one through 59 and 90 through 99 offensive linemen 50 through 79 and defensive linemen 50 through 79 and 90 through 99 QB's kickers and punters will remain at 1 through 19. So essentially the NFL is trying to mimic more of the college numbering system in which defensive and offensive players at skills at skills positions can wear numbers 1 through 49 and wear lower numbers as opposed to where the defense like the defensive line and the linebackers typically wear uh higher numbers like in the 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s and defensive backs where it's 20 and 30 it's essentially reversion back to more of what college was like and what the college numbering system is and I'm actually for this not for any particular reason it doesn't make a huge impact on the game but I, I kind of like smaller numbers for you know smaller players I think it, it there's something like OCD about it that that man, it makes it so appealing it's such a small detail but I actually really like this and I'm I'm kind of in favor of the NFL doing this and I don't really mind the the change. Now, Tom Brady was extremely against this change. He called it stupid, uh, dumb, and that he didn't like the idea. Uh, but, you know, it- Opinions aside, I don't really think it's that big of a deal, and I actually welcome the change. Some people are going to be for it. Some people are going to be against it. I would welcome the idea of changing my number in the NFL and changing it back to what I would wear in college if I played in college. The the caveat is is that if you are going to change your number, if you're going to change your number, the NFL is going to force you to pay to buy out the surplus of your old jersey number. So say that... um let say Russell Wilson uh, wants to change his number from three to seven. Russell Wilson is going to have to buy every single number three Seattle Seahawks jersey of his out from every single distributor, every single merchandise store. He's going to have to buy every single jersey, every single one in order to change his number to seven. Now, I don't know if this is excuse me. I don't know if this is to offset costs. I don't know if this is to just limit the amount of people that actually want to change their number. Or if there's some more complicated issue with it. But I, I I thought that was interesting that the NFL is forcing players to buy out the stock of their old jersey if they want to, you know, find or, or, or change their a change to a new jersey number. And, you know, maybe that's just a financial decision. Maybe it's a well, I mean, I don't even know because I don't. You know, the real jerseys are like 200 bucks, but some of the cheaper made jerseys that were made in some factory somewhere, they don't seem that expensive, so I don't know how much of a financial impact it's going to be making. So that's kind of interesting The NFL is changing the way that numbers work in uh, the game. Something else that the NFL was rumored to be uh, focusing on is they have a committee focused on changing the way that taunting works in the NFL. And I just, I think that's so stupid. So essentially they want to... Eliminate or limit the amount of of moments in which players will either finger wag or stand over players or, you know, talk trash or, you know, make some signs with their hands or who who knows what Uh, the NFL is trying to limit those amount of moments in the football game. And I just say, why? Why? That, that's eliminating one of the best parts of football. I can understand if you're trying to eliminate things in the game for player safety, like eliminating extra contact, eliminating fighting, eliminating face max. Obviously, if it's anything related to player safety, eliminate it. You know, uh, sure, targeting or or a defenseless receiver, those calls are always going to be controversial, but it's really for the, the benefit and the health of the players that you have rules like that in place. If you're going to place rules to save players' egos from taunting, that just ruins the fun of the game. It's kind of like when they crack down on celebrations in the NFL. Do you know how boring that was to watch somebody score a touchdown and then just, you know, high-five their quarterback as opposed to doing a dance in the end zone? Like, why is the NFL taking precautions to eliminate some of the fun that allows players to display their egos and personality on the field? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's a stupid decision i think you know why are you taking fun out of the game otherwise you know football just becomes a boring sport to watch on some de- to some degree obviously violence is entertaining that's why we watch it uh and it's been that way obviously since so like the ancient Rome, romans like violence and contact is exciting and football is exciting but if everybody's just a, a a violent you know robot not allowed to show any expression on the football field then what's the point you know these players and their you know, personalities is what draws us to them. They're, they're, they're athletes. They're almost celebrities in a way. Why are you taking away their ability to be expressive on the football field? That doesn't make sense to me. I think that's a stupid decision. So to end the show today, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite predictions from the Hard-Headed Sports Mock Draft that we completed earlier this week. Uh, In case you missed it, that is going to be on YouTube. Parts 1 and 2 of the Hard-Headed Sports Mock Draft are on YouTube. Go watch that. Go compare and contrast and see what I think and see what you think as well. So I wanted to specifically talk about one pick that I'm really excited about and I think would be a really good selection. And that's Najee Harris to the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 24. That was my favorite pick that I predicted in the NFL draft and obviously like my word is not gold the Pittsburgh Steelers could realistically take anybody but as you know and if you've been following the channel for a while I've been making videos on specific draft selections for a lot of the teams and the in the top 10 picks and specifically about the quarterbacks but I think one of the more entertaining picks is the Steelers at 24 considering that they the type of season that they had last season starting off 10 and 0 and then ending up 11 and 5 And actually, one of the very first videos that I ever made for this podcast, literally the first segment that I ever talked about, the first video that I ever made was talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and how I felt that they had an ego problem. You go from 10-0 to 11-5. you know, the, The ego that the Steelers had just completely collapsed to the ground. And I pointed to the fact that the Steelers just did not feel like the Steelers. When you think of the Steelers... You think of what the Steelers branding is, you think about the Steel Curtain, really tough defense, run it down your throat offense, not, uh, you know, flashy receivers doing TikToks and dancing on the field, and sure, maybe that's a little bit of a generalization, but some of the things, you know, some of the comments that players are making, the way that the Pittsburgh Steelers were playing, it didn't feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I felt like if they fix that problem, if they fix the, the attitude problem that, the, that they had last season, they'll be a step closer to being returning to Super Bowl contenders the following season. Now that brings me back to Najee Harris. One of the key contributions to the really good Pittsburgh Steelers teams in the early, you know, 2010s, uh, early two thousands was the establishment of a really devastating running game. I'm talking big bus, the big bus, Jerome Bettis. That is the type of idea of the Steelers identity that I think that they've been missing. Now, James Conner is a, is a really good running back, but I think that, if Najee Harris were to be drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, it would kind of reinvigorate that attitude and that toughness that the Pittsburgh Steelers were known for, somebody that's going to run it at you and run it over. And not only are the Steelers in desperate need of a running game because, look, Big Ben Roethlisberger, he is going to probably play one more season, and he didn't look all that great last season. And you know, maybe part of the reason why he didn't look so great last season is because he was throwing the ball continuously and he had no running game to help him. So you draft Najee Harris at 24, you give Big Ben some help, you give him a running game, maybe he looks a little bit better than he did before, and he's able to play additional seasons, and it gives the Steelers a little bit more time to find a quarterback for the future, because now that idea is knocking on the door, the Steelers are going to have to find a quarterback for the future at some point, I don't think it's Haskins, I don't think it's Rudolph, they're probably going to need to find somebody else, or at least add to the pool of contenders. Back to the point, you you draft Najee Harris, you give Big Ben a running game, and you give that attitude, that run-it-over attitude. I'm going to run at you. I'm going to run over you. We are going to be a more physical, dominating football team than I'm just going to dance on your logo with a TikTok and talk trash on a TikTok after, you know, the game. <clears throat> Chase Claypool. Um And granted, maybe that's an overgeneralization, you know, personality, we just got done talking about, you know, how the NFL potentially is going to be focusing on taunting. Like, personality is different for everybody in a locker room. I'm not saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers as a majority are like that, but... When, you, when it comes to how their season ended and the type of attitude that they had, you kind of have to point to it and say there needs to be an attitude adjustment, and I think a hard runner, a running game, and it, all it has to be is one person to set the tone, a hard worker, a hard runner, and uh, somebody with really good speed as well. Najee Harris would be a perfect draft selection for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I really think that they should go for it. It's a great idea. It, it checks all the boxes as to what the Steelers need to do on offense to be able to really not only help Ben Roethlisberger lead that offense to uh, a more deep playoff run, but to be able to be more balanced and to have a more efficient offense in general. And sure, the defense is always going to be good. The defense is going to return TJ Watt. They lost Bud Dupree. Uh, but I think that's 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 a replaceable you know loss so that the defense is going to be okay it's the offense that really needed the work towards the end of the year. I think establishing a running game will be really important for the Pittsburgh Steelers and I think Najee Harris would be a perfect person to not only try and reinstall that run you over attitude that you know the early 20s, 20 20 uh, 200, that oh my God 2010s and 2 and 20 thousands God that's so like how do you define that? How do you define that It's 2010s and early 2000s. I think that's how, I think that's how you do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a big, that was a big uh, blooper there. Big blunder, but let me know what you think. Uh, is Najee Harris a good place for the Steelers? Is that a good match? I certainly think so. That's one of more my more exciting predictions when it comes to the NFL draft that's coming up next week. It's a week, one week away, guys. So, so close. Uh, thank you so much for watching the show today. That's the end of the show. A little bit football heavy, a little bit all over the place, but I was excited to talk about some of the topics today. So thank you so much for listening. As always, thank you so much for supporting. Uh, The show will be up on anchor and show will be up on YouTube momentarily. As soon as everything gets done, this has been the hard headed sports podcast episode number 39 hosted by me, Nick Ryan. And with that all being said, stay hard headed, but have a nice day.